Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. When you face the reality of dealing with an experience that you cannot avoid, it means you have to go through it. You just have to. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that Jesus experienced exactly that. It says that he left Judea to go to Galilee. He left Judea on the north. This is found in John chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. He left Judea in the north in order to go to Galilee. But in the process of doing that, he had to do something that he needed to do. The Bible says that he left Judea, departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, in those days, Jews did not go through Samaria because the Jews and the Samaria had no relationships. The Jews looked down upon the Samaritans because the Samaritans were called half-breed. They were half-Jewish and half-Gentile. And so they were neither fully Jewish nor fully Gentiles, and the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They looked down upon them. And therefore, they would go around by the, the mountains to get where they're going without having to go through Samaria. It was the custom. And yet in John chapter 4, Verses 3 and 4 says, Jesus left Judea going to Galilee. But in the process of doing that, he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to do it. He needed to do it. It does not say he chose to do it. He just needed to do it. And there's sometimes in our own lives, there are things we absolutely need to do. I remember my pastor's wife, who shocked me, just literally shocked me one day. She says, Milton, pastor and I can't wait to attend your graduation from college. I was shocked. I was 16 and no one to that point had ever mentioned college to me. As a matter of fact, I never mentioned college to myself because I never saw myself as college material. I never saw myself as having the brain to go to college. Nobody in my life to that point had given me the impression that I can possibly go to college. I was active in the church, but nobody had given me the impression that I, me, I could possibly go to college. Never at all. And so when my pastor's wife said that to me, I was stunned. And I remember leaving saying, why would she, an intelligent person, think that I could go to college? But she believed it. I didn't believe it. I couldn't perceive it. I couldn't comprehend it. 
I can visualize it. But she did. And I think as I look back, I began to study hard. I began to take evening lessons because she planted something in my spirit that she believed. She believed. And because of her, I went to college. And her husband spoke at my graduation. So she, I can see her and her husband sitting there at my graduation because of the seed she had planted. At least they lived to see the seed they had planted got roots and grew and turned into a tree. My pastor never lived to see the type of fruits that that tree would bear, but he saw the tree. And then one day my pastor and his wife, my, my pastor's wife and their two children came to New Covenant. And I have a picture of them standing, his name is Smith. I see, I have a picture of them standing in front of Smith Hall on this campus. And I can imagine how she felt because she planted that seed into the mind of a child who didn't have any such possibilities in his mind. And then I went to college, and then I went to seminary, then I went to graduate school, and I can still remember the day when the dean and the associate dean called me in. I was teaching at the time at Temple University. I can still remember the day they called me in, and I was, I was wondering what did I do wrong, that they both want to have a meeting with me. And then they shared that the administration of the university wants to offer me a position to be the dean of the Graduate School of Education blew my mind. I couldn't, I didn't accept it. And over the years I've wondered what would have been my future had I accepted it. I would have had a larger salary. I would have had a title of dean. But when I compare that with what God has called me to do and how he has called me to serve, there's no comparison. And my message is that in life, you have to decide what you will go through and what you will avoid. Because until you make that critical decision, you just don't know what is possible. You just don't know what is possible. Jesus, John chapter four, verses three and four, powerful. I wondered sometimes, it had to be a reason why God allowed those two verses to be in the Bible because they send a message. It says, Jesus left Judea, departed for Galilee. He left Judea, departed for Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. All of us have our Samarias that we need to go through or have to go through. 
the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered unclean. But Jesus chose, chose to do what Jews would not normally do in order to get where he was going. And if you heard me, Jesus chose to do what people would not ordinarily do in order to get where he was going. Sometimes we want people to take us where we're going. It doesn't always work. Jesus decided to do what, he, what a normal Jewish person would not do. In order to take him where he's going, he was going from, Gal from Judea to Galilee. That's where he was going. That was his destination. And he had to decide how he's going to get there. And he chose the hard way. Going through, of all places, Samaria. Samaria. All of us, at some point, will have some Samaria's in our lives. The challenging things, the challenging circumstances, and sometimes the challenging people that you can't avoid. There's some challenging Samaria's you just have to live with. You just don't simply make visitations. You're quiet. There's certain Samaritan situations you just have to live with. Jesus chose to go through Samaria in order to get where he was going. And if you don't know where you're going, then you don't know what your choices are. Are we still together? Well, when you can no longer stand me, just take your shoes off and throw it up. <laughs> he needed, he needed, the Bible says he needed to go through Samaria, the conflict areas. And in that process, he came in counter, as a matter of fact, the Bible says right there in John chapter 4, several things. It says in verse 6, Now Jacob's well was there. Now let me go from verse 5. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary, weary, Weary from his journey. He's weary from the journey from Judea to Galilee. He hasn't reached Galilee yet, but he's weary of his journey. Therefore, he sat by the well to have rest and water. Jesus. Jesus, in the process of his journey, got weary. Tired, exhausted, and therefore sat by the well for two things to rest and to get some water. Now, sometimes we think of Jesus in his supernatural potential. You, you can't imagine that Jesus could get weary, tired, exhausted, and need to rest. And not just rest, but needed, he was 
But as a matter of fact, let me tell you what the Bible says, so you don't think I'm making it up. He sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means in those days, the sixth hour was midday. Its sun is hot. The sun is hot. He's journeying from Judea to Galilee. The sun is hot, and he's weary. He's tired. He's exhausted. It says, on being weary from the journey, he sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour, midday. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, can you give me a drink? He's not just, as a matter of fact, the Bible says his disciples had gone to buy food. His disciples had gone to buy food. He is tired, he's exhausted, he's weary, he is thirsty. And if his disciples had gone to buy food, he was hungry. Is that a logical conclusion? So he is tired, he's exhausted, he's hungry, and he's thirsty. We're talking about Jesus. And so he sits by the well and he sees, as he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman coming. And I can imagine what was going through her mind when she saw him sitting there, because there's no relationship between Jews and Samaritans, and probably by his garment she could tell he was a Jew. Why would he be sitting there by this well in Samaria? And so she came with her containers because it's a well, you have to have a container to draw the water. He says to her, will you give me some water to drink? And she was surprised. She says, how come you, a Jew, are asking me for water? How come you, a Jew, are asking me for water? Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus is saying, suffer to be so now, because I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm exhausted. My disciples have gone to buy food, and so we're all hungry. And right now I'm thirsty. And it's midday, the sun is hot. And the Samaritan woman came, and she, she woman said, but it's one thing for you to ask me to give you a drink of water, but you have no container <laughs> to take the water with. Let me stop. Who? May, may, I, may, I, may I pull you up for a minute, please, since you're close by? That's the danger of being close by. <laughs> give me one sentence of what you've heard this far. Okay. He's, Loudly he's, so they can all hear you. Jesus is tired. He's weary. He's sitting down, possibly to get some rest, and he's thirsty. And he's thirsty. Mm. And hungry. And hungry, yes. Now, now, have you ever experienced being thirsty and hungry? Yes, absolutely. You, you know what it feels like? Yes. Growing up as a child, did you have those experiences? Sure. Sure. He's thirsty and hungry and tired and exhausted, and he comes to a well 
that has water. And he sits there with no container. The water is there in the well. The water is there in the well. The water he needs is right there in the well. But he has no container to get it. Are you still there? He has no container to get it. And so he asks her, could you give me a drink of water? She heard him. But before she can respond to him, she raises the issue. How come you, a Jew, were asking me a Samaritan for water? And that showed how desperate Jesus was at that moment. I would take some water from anybody. If it's from this well that Jacob built. I would take a container of water from anyone. From this well that Jacob built. Because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm hungry. My disciples have all gone to buy food and they haven't come back with the food yet. And I'm thirsty. And so that Samaritan woman saw Jesus at his most vulnerable moment. And she raises the question, how would you, how would you a Jew, ask of me a Samaritan for water? Let's continue. Let's continue. He was tired. He was tired, exhausted. He is tired, exhausted. He's weary, he's hungry, he's thirsty. Samaria can represent a number of things. Our Samarias show up in many different ways. Our Samarias show up in a number of different people. Our Samarias show up in a number of different situations that we have to go through. Oh God, we wish we could avoid them. We just wish we could go around them. There's some situations that we just wish that God would just lift us up in an airplane and drop us off way over there where those folks aren't present. I'm getting better, right? Yeah. But life is not like that. Life isn't like that. You may have a situation in your job right now. You're just praying for a miracle to move you, to take you somewhere else with a higher salary. <laughs> but there are times when you have to go through it with grace. As a matter of fact, there's a unique type of grace 
called Shut Mouth Grace. 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 Believing that in fullness of time, God will do something. Because if you haven't been there, you will get there. Because Samaria's are part of life. We all will confront our Samaria's. Sometimes we confront them at home. Sometimes we confront them at jo our jobs. Sometimes we, confront, we can confront them in some of the relatives we have and we keep wondering how God caused me to be related to these people. Are you there? We all have Samaria's. And we all have to go through Samaria's. And yet there are people who feel justified to hate Samaria's. How do you go through Samaria? And how do you have a love for folks that other people choose to hate? As a matter of fact, no. How do you develop the Samaria of going through life with a love for the people you have chosen to hate? Because God places those same people in your Samaria's and he's not going to take them out just because you happen to hate them or don't like them or don't care for them. Life is made up of a series of Samaria's Jesus chose to go through. And as you sit right there reflecting, here's my question. What are some of the important and probably painful and necessary Samaritan, I mean, um, Samaria's? that you've had to go through? What are some of the painful Samaria's that you've had to go through and may encounter in the future? And um, what are some of the decisions I need to make but the things I need to do because as long as you put it off, as long as you put off the important decisions, you're choosing to live in Samaria and not go through to Galilee. Jesus could have parked in Samaria and not continue to go where he was going. He was going from Judea to Galilee. He need to pass through Samaria. Sometimes in our process we park in Samaria and forget where we were going. We forget where we were going. And then we say, I made a decision which 
cause me to forget where I'm going. I made a decision. That went. A decision can cause you to do anything. Decisions don't have feelings. Decisions can't make decisions. It's you who made the decision. Stop blaming the decision because the decision doesn't have any life. It's you who caused you. Sometimes you think if you can just blame the decision, the decision did this. No, the decision didn't do that. You did it. It's your decision. Every decision has a journey. Every decision you make in life has a journey. Every decision you make in life takes you somewhere. Every decision you have made in life took you somewhere. Sometimes it's the somewhere you wanted to go. And sometimes it's the somewhere you didn't want to go. But then you ended up realizing you went there. You can't blame the decision, it's you. And in all of our lives, we have to face those Samarias. Jesus could have paused. He was hungry and thirsty at the well. His disciples went to buy food. He was hungry. He could have said when they brought the food back, he could say, after we finish eating, let's turn back, go back to Judea. It's a long journey and the sun is hot, but that's not where you were going. You were going to Galilee. He left home to go to Galilee. Sometimes we forget where we're going. I've had so many instances in my life that I could have forgotten where I was going. I have faced so much criticism that could have caused me to forget where I'm going. When we were trying to buy this campus, we kept it secret. Because we knew there were those who were making sure that we would not get this. As far as they were concerned, it was too big for us. And whom do you think you are? And so we had to develop not just faith and courage and wisdom, but we had to develop the right strategy. I was reading an article about Gorbachev, who was a former president of Russia, who was buried this week. A good friend of President Reagan, an enemy of Putin, Putin succeeded him, but Putin, Putin developed enmity with, with Gorbachev because he said Gorbachev didn't have vision. He didn't have vision of what Russia could have become. Russia was controlling all these nations around him. And Gorbachev came and tried to develop the democracy democracy and as he developed democracy many of the nations that Russia were controlling broke off like the Ukraine and some of the others and became independent 
And this week, Gorbachev was buried. They refused to give him a state funeral, even though he was the president for so many years. And when they did give him a funeral, Putin decided not to attend. He just went to see him in his casket, and that's it. Because the feeling was that Gorbachev was trying to bring about democracy. And Putin and his folks are interested in nothing but power. And the two don't work together. And in all of life, in all of our lives, we have to decide what decisions we will make and where will those decisions take us. Because every decision has a journey. Every decision moves you somewhere. Everyone. And you can't blame the decision because the decision didn't do it. You did it. You did it. Even the decision of worship. The decision of worship. The decision of worship. We can come here week after week and praise God. And sing all the songs of worship. And serve God. And never please Him. Have you ever had someone who served you but couldn't please you? What God is interested in is not our serving Him, but our pleasing Him. And serving and pleasing are two completely different things, require two different types of mindsets. I can serve you as long as the people see me. Praise me for what I'm doing. But pleasing is something completely different. It's a spirit. It's a commitment to please someone. To please someone. To say, not only what can I do for you, but how can I please you? Because that's requires more effort and energy and foresight and discipline. Are you still there? Well, I haven't seen any shoes being sh shouted yet, so I'll take another few minutes. <laughs> what has been some of your own personal Samaria experiences. What are some of them that you can think about that you had to go through, as painful as they were, as difficult as they were, that you had to go through? And how did those painful Samaria experiences impact your life? How did they impact your life?
that your life right now is the result of those, many of those painful experiences, some areas you've had to go through. Now, you all know that when I was 14, my mother put me out of our home. And I was homeless with all of my personal belongings in a pillowcase. And for a number of years, I was very negative, extremely negative, uh, extremely, extremely, extremely negative. And then one day, I had a revelation that putting me out of our home was one of the best things my mother did for me. Because I never would have become the man I am if she had not put me out. I would have gone the way of my four brothers. But having been put out, it's like taking one ship and putting it in a different ocean. And that different ocean has brought me to where I am. God used it. Are you there? So if God used it, now here's the logic, the theological logic. You ready for theological logic? If God used it, then God was in the beginning of it. And God was right there when she put me out. As a matter of fact, God influenced her to put me out. Because God knew what he had for me that would never have been accomplished otherwise. One of the things about maturity is reaching the point where you can see God in, in everything. Why, why should I see God in everything? Because he's everywhere. And if God is everywhere, I've got to see him in everything. That's what the Bible says, in everything, do what? Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God for you. My being put out of our home at age 14 was the will of God for me. When my mother came here and saw this campus, and tears began to flow, and all she could say, I gave you hell. I gave you hell. But of all of my other brothers, as my mother got older, none of them were able to take her in. And Pastor Hyacinth and I took her in to our home. All things What's the next word? No, just the word. No, just the one word. I taught at the university. What's the next word? Work. Work. Let me pause at work. All things work. That means all things have jobs. Everything in your life has a job. 
Everything you've been through has a job. Everything you will go through has a job. And all the things that have jobs, what's the next word? Work together. All the situations, all the circumstances, all the scenarios, all the disappointments, all the abuse have jobs. And they work together to help you to become what is possible if you allow them. You have an option of allowing them to work together for your good or to go through life just blaming them. Because if you keep blaming them, you will never discover their potential for your betterment. Do we have a mic? Do you have an extra mic? Could you take your mask off? Just, 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 um, okay, put the mask back and just speak loudly. Tell me something you've heard this far. Not something you've understood this far. That everything works as a job. So, so when I see the things that I do in my life, on the challenges that I go through in life, there's a reason and there's a purpose. And it's a job that I have to do to make it work. Give him a hand, please. See, because if I stand here and speak the word and you don't understand it, or if I use highfalutin terms that you can't figure out, and say, that was a good message. And I will say, what did he talk about? I can't remember, but it's a good message. Are you there? Samaria. Going through Samaria. Jesus needed. The Bible says he needed to go through there. It was not that he chose to go through there. It's that he needed to go through there. Sometimes we disregard what we need to do and decide for what we want to choose to do. He needed to. He needed to go through Samaria. And it's interesting that he sees this woman, they met at the well. He says, how come, she says, how come you're a Jew asking me for water? Jews don't deal with Samaritans. Jesus said, here's how he answered. He didn't address her question. He did not address her question. He says, go and bring your husband. And she said, I have no husband. Now, now imagine, just, are you there? Imagine another woman from Samaria had seen the two of them talking there. 
And because they knew her, they'd have concluded what they're talking about. Jesus said to her, go and bring your husband. And she said to Jesus, I have no husband. And Jesus said, that's true because you've had five husbands and the man you have right now is not yours. It's in the Bible right there. <laughs> Jesus said, you just spoke the truth. You've had five husbands and the man you're with right now is not, is not yours, which means it's somebody else's husband. Wow. And she said, you must be a prophet. You've got to be a prophet. You've got to be a prophet. Let me tell you something about her. I'm looking at my time. Take my time. <laughs> it was very unusual for you to find a Samaritan woman at the well at midday. Very unusual. Usually the women in that day would gather early in the mornings when it's cool and go to the well as a group. And while they're going there talking and, you know, exchanging conversation, they'll go and get their, their water early as a group and go back home. The fact that she was at the well at noon alone meant she was ostracized. She was ostracized. She had no friends. She had no company. She went to the well by herself to get her water. None of the other women were with her because they knew her pattern. She had five husbands. And the man she has right now is not hers. Somebody else's. Her presence alone was an indication of her pattern of living. Now imagine if another Samaritan woman or a group of Samaritan women had decided to go for whatever reason to just pass by the well and to see her talking to Jesus or to see Jesus talking to her. They'd have concluded that they knew exactly what they're talking about. Should I still go on preaching? They would have concluded, man, I saw that Jewish man talking to her and I thought her talking to that Jewish man. I know exactly what they're talking about. Because we know her. She was not just living in Samaria. She was carrying all of her Samaria burdens on her. Let me wrap up. What personal Samaria experience have you had? The challenges of your own Samaria. Your own difficulties that you have had to live with, that you wish you could just throw them off your back, but you can't because they're a part of your life. And we all have some areas, all of us. How does Jesus handle it? He goes through it. And whatever Jesus will ever do for you is because he has chosen to go through your Samaria to love you. He has chosen to go through your Samaria to love you.
I don't think you heard me. Could, 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 you, could you stand and tell me what I just said, please? He said that Jesus has chosen to go through my Samaria because he loves me. He has chosen. Yes, he has chosen. He didn't stumble through it. Right. He has chosen to go through Samaria because he loves you. Yes. And all of us have our Samarias as we look back, if we're honest with ourselves. And Jesus has chosen to go right through your Samaria to love you. That's why we love God. We love God because he first loved us. But when did he start to love us? When did God begin loving us? God didn't begin loving us when we got saved. <laughs> while we were yet, while we were yet, while we were yet, Christ died for the ungodly. He went through our Samarias to love us. I wish I could have done what I, I really wanted to do, but it's, it's challenging because I wanted you, some of you to form some groups and just talk about what this means to you, what this message is saying to you, but it's, it's difficult to do that. That's why I'm taking my time. Because there's some, there's some, there's a Samaria that you will confront tomorrow. There are, some, there are some Samaritans that you will confront tomorrow. And you have to decide now how you will handle it. Or how you will miss the blessing. Or how you will miss the blessing. There's some Samaritans that you will go through tomorrow, interact with tomorrow. You know all their imperfections, their past sins. One of the things with focusing on past, of people's past sins that we forget to remember our own. When anyone asks you, how did the bishop do? Tell them he was very slow today. <laughs> and um, we are right now exactly what our decisions were. We are right now what our decisions were. We blame our decisions, but our decisions have no feet, they have no hands, they have no ability. It's our decisions. And our decisions determine our journey and our destiny. 
Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.